Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 12 tonight. Romans chapter 12, and then when you found your place there, I'd like you to flip over also to Ephesians chapter 4, all right? Uh, we're going to preach a message tonight that I've just simply entitled, Are You? Are You? With a question mark. And they're going to give you three questions tonight that all start with the phrase, Are You? And so let's look at Romans chapter 12. And then when you found your place, look over in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll see some parallels in these two passages. Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. You know, we live in a time, a day, where we are in a constant state of upheaval and change. And I, you know, the, the funny thing is, I, th- I think that's always been the case. It just seems more pronounced now. And uh, we, we, how many of you have noticed that time flies so quickly, that the eras of our life change very rapidly? And uh, we're just thinking about just, you know, just yesterday we got married and just yesterday we had kids and now we're looking forward to grandkids and it just, things just fly out of control it seems. And not only does time fly by, but it seems that we change with those times and uh, we have physical changes, don't we? We grow older. And, uh, but there's, there's some things that we have to understand about our spiritual life as well. It is good in some regards that our spiritual life changes. And, and what I mean by that is the Bible says we are to grow in grace. And, and I, I, I don't know, but I feel like that I'm much more patient as I get older than I used to be. I don't know, I, I, can, I just know the difference. I can just sense it, that things that used to irritate me don't irritate me anymore, and we seem to show more, and I, I'm sure, I'm not saying that about me in any special way, I'm just saying that we kind of all get like that, we kind of mellow, don't we? We just show more grace, and, and uh, we seem to have more tolerance for what our grandkids are doing than our own kids, and it just, we just kind of have a little bit more mellow as we grow older. And so some things are supposed to change. As we grow in grace, we are to be more Christ-like. There are some things that perhaps appealed to you years ago that no longer have any hold over you. That's good and positive change. But as we are called to take Christ to a lost and dying world and change them, unfortunately, sometimes the world begins to change us. And that's not positive change. When we are affected by the world and changed by the world, that is not a good thing. And, and I, I, I would say we, we use this word a lot, and, and I, I kind of have been shying away from it. How, how many of you have seen in the news or in the newspaper or for the last two years, these unprecedented times? How many of you have seen that word over and over again? But it really has been. In my life, in 50 years, I don't know that we've had a two-year period quite like this. It's been very different. I want to ask you three questions tonight, just to examine ourselves, questions that I ask myself. Have these things changed in my life? Because they ought not. We ought not be affected by the world in these three key areas. I think it's important. And so let's take some time tonight to do a little bit of self-examination and just ask ourselves these questions. And I'm going to give you the first question, uh, and and then we'll read some scripture. Now, let me ask you this. In in the last couple years, 
we can tend to get bitter. We can change in that direction, can't we? We can tend to be maybe selfish. I remember when this thing first started a couple years ago, I don't, I don't mean to be crude, it's just a fact, you couldn't buy toilet paper, could you? I managed to go to Walmart first thing in the morning one day, and I got a pack, and I put it in, and I decided I was going to get a coffee that day, so I went through the McDonald's drive through to get a coffee, and the girl in the window saw it in the back seat, and she says, oh, where did you get that? I mean, people were coveting that stuff. Cody bought something, brought it in the office, and he was handing it out like prizes in junior church or something. I don't know what he was doing with it, but he had some in the back room. And I, I mean, we were coveting, and people were getting selfish. You could go on Kijiji and buy it for like $100 a pack because people had a garage full of it. It changed them in a very negative way. But I want to ask you tonight, just to ask yourself these three questions. And if I stayed the course, are these three things still evident in my life after a time of turmoil? And you can ask yourself, you might go through another turmoil a month from now. You might have a tragedy take place in your family. You may have a death. You may have a sickness. You may get some bad news from the doctor. And as you battle those, those things that come along inevitably in life, maybe it'd be wise to stop and ask ourselves these three questions. Have I stayed true to what Christ has called me to be? And so let me give you the first question. Here's, here's the first one. Are you living peaceably? Are you living peaceably? Look at Romans chapter 12, if you will, tonight. Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. Or he, or, or sorry, Romans 12. Yes, Romans 12. Look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as he hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, neither are fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide, uh, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, Live peaceably with all men. 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says, As much, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, we tend to draw away from others when we are in disagreement, and Satan knows this, and he will use it to fuel a fire. He'll cause disunity among us, and the Bible says we are to live peaceably. And if we read Romans chapter 12, as I just did, there's instruction after instruction after instruction how we are to live peaceably with the brethren how we are to love one another, how we are to abhor evil and to love good, how we are to exhort one another. And I want to wade through those things just a little bit this evening. So look at Romans chapter 12 and also Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to notice, first of all, we are to live without pride. Live without pride. Verse 4 of Romans chapter 12 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. We have to just understand we are all different. God has created us for different purposes within this body that we call the local church. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll direct your attention to verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another, in love. I read that passage this morning as part of the message. The word forbear means to hold up, to bear the weight. And how do we do that? By loving one another. The Bible is very plain that we need to reduce all of our pride. If we are going to live peaceably with all men, we must not have any pride. He says, with lowliness and meekness and long suffering, we're to forbear one another with love. Sometimes I think we've uh, we tend in times of, uh, of trial, we can, we can easily become self-focused. I'm not saying necessarily that somebody is sinning in the, in the sense that they're prideful. But you all know that folks that sometimes, every once in a while, you'll come across somebody that's been uh, in a long-term medical situation. And when you go and visit with them, that's all you talk about is that long-term, I'm not against that. We want to bear one another's burdens. I understand that. But I feel sad in the sense that that's all they have in their life right now. They can't enjoy other things. They don't get to go to a Christmas dinner at families. They don't get to, to enjoy a vacation with, with, to see loved ones. And it's taken away because they are so consumed with what's going on right now. The Bible says we are to support and help them Lay aside our pride, and with meekness and lowliness, we're to forbear them in love. How do we live peaceably? Well, first of all, we must live without pride. Number two, we must live a perfecting life. A perfecting life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having this then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching 
Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with uh, cheerfulness, showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. All those things God has put in before us, and he's saying we're to do these things that we might help people, that we might perfect the saints, that we might encourage the brethren. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 echoes that thought when it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Here's the same gifts we read about in Romans 12. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. If we're going to live peaceably with all, we must live without pride and we must live a perfecting life. We are there to help one another. We're there to encourage. We're there even to teach. You know, you can learn something from everybody. You can. I, I learn I, I hate it when a little kid comes in and shows me how to unlock a phone or something. But you can learn from little ones even. They, they know things. They have perspective on things that we don't see. We need to learn from one another. That's what the perfecting of the saints is. That we're here to edify and to grow and to help each other. And how do we live peaceably? Well, we must live without pride. And we must live a perfecting life. And then I, I want you to notice this. We ought to live a preferring life. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Ephesians 4.32, you can probably quote it. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Preferring one another means to put somebody else before yourself. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest issues we see in, in this world is selfishness, don't we? People that just take for themselves before they allow anybody else. We see it in power, and we see it in greed, and we see it in those who are the richest among us. And not that it's a sin necessary to have things, but to get them because we are selfish is a real problem. The Bible says we're to put others before ourselves. We're talking about living peaceably with all men. Don't have pride. Don't have selfishness. Preferring one another before yourself is how we will live peaceably. We're asking these questions tonight. Number one, are you living peaceably? And then this, to live peaceably, we must live a purposeful life. A purposeful life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 11. There are some things, I'm not going to read them all again. Verses 11 through 21 not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, all the way down to verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, if we're going to live peaceably with all men, there are some things that we do on purpose. We do on purpose. Live purposefully. 
Notice Ephesians chapter 4, you can flip over there again and look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. By the way, ladies, the Bible says there's such a thing as a perfect man. You'll be glad to know that. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to deceive you, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him and all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of part of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Jump down to verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the seedful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're talking about living purposefully. There's some things that we need to do in our lives if we're gonna live peaceably with all men. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, whereby putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, and thine which, that, that thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Boy, the Bible has a lot that we're supposed to do on purpose. There's a lot of things that he says. But here's the, here's the thing that we understand and we know. When the Spirit of God moves into our lives, a lot of these things become natural. Being kind ought not to be an effort. The Spirit of God ought to change you and make you kind. Have you surrendered to him? Living peaceably with all men. So our first question tonight and the first thing to test ourselves, are you living peaceably? That ought to never change. That ought to never change. Even when you're angry, you can live peaceably. Even when you disagree, you don't have to be disagreeable. You can live peaceably with all men. Here's the second question. Number one, are you living peaceably? Number two, are you loving people? Do you still love people? Going through trials, people need love, perhaps more than ever. They need the encouragement. They need the help. They, they need to know that the, the people love them. No matter how much the world changes around them, we are called to love one another. Let me give you several scriptures very quickly. I'm going to read them to you. First Peter 4.8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. John 13.34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17, these things I have commanded you, that ye love one another. Romans 13, 8, owe no man anything but to love one another. 
For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. 1 Peter 1, 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, speak uh, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 John three eleven. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John three twenty three. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. 2 John 1, 5. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. God says to his children, love one another. It's a big deal to God. When times change and trials come, and our second question, our second test tonight, are you still loving people? Man, it's important. There's some things that we can take from this tonight. Number one, love proves some things. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. They'll see it in your love. I had somebody come to our church a few years ago. We popped by their home to visit with them, and they'd come several times, and senior couple, and he brought this verse up, John 13, 35. By this shall they know you're my disciples if you love one another. He says, he says do you know what the early church was known for? And I, I, I thought it was some trick question. I'm just racking my brain thinking. He goes, they were known for their love for one another. He says, I've come to the church several times. And he says, I, I kind of got to be honest with you. He says, it's no different than any other church I've been to. But he says, a lot of people shake your hand and smile. Good to see you. And they keep walking. He said, I just don't know that if they truly love me or not. I thought, oh man, I hate to hear that. Because the mark of a disciple is that we love one another. Now certainly, they hadn't come to a Sunday school class and they hadn't been to a fellowship of any sort. They didn't really have a chance to get to know anybody and their health began to cause them to fade away. And it's in those times of fellowship that we get to know one another and we learn. And, hey, you know, the best time of fellowship you'll have is praying with somebody. That's when you learn about their burdens and their cares. Just by listening to their prayer. And, I, and it broke my heart that he didn't feel like he was loved. I know he was. But that is a mark of discipleship that we love one another. Love proves some things. And then we see also that love produces some things. First John, or First Thessalonians 3 says this, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts. Listen to this. When we love one another and we love all men, it says, In the end, he will establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. 
Here, here's, here's something we need to understand. You might say, well, I don't, I don't know all these, these doctrinal books and all these things. I, they, they confuse me. And I'm, I went to Bible college and they confused me. <laughs> it was one of those things where transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and, you know, all these different Latin words to describe simple things. And why just use the simple words, you know? And my, it was tough learning all that stuff and all the, and how many of you understand this? Every theologian ever lived had a name that long. And it was Dutch or it was spelled with, not in a way that I was used to. And I was just like, I had to know all them to put them on in exams and things. I thought, good night, Bonhoeffer and things like that, names like that. And I thought, oh my heavens. And you say, I, I, don't, I don't know all that stuff. When you stand before God one day, he doesn't care if you know the name Frederick Bonhoeffer. He doesn't care. He wants to know, did you love people? Because he says, one day, if you will love one another and you'll love all men, he says, you'll stand before me in holiness and blameless because you'll be known by your love. Because love is a mark of the transforming work of Christ in our lives. Love proves some things, but it also produces some things. But it also provokes some things. Love provokes. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. See, when you consider somebody else, you know what you're causing them to do? You're causing them to love in return. You're provoking them to love. I, I, have you ever just, just done something for somebody just for the sake of doing it? Just a little gift, a little note, a phone call, something to be kind? I'm just asking you, after a great time of trial, are you still loving people? Love produces, love proves, and love provokes, but love brings peace. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. The all of one mind. Love brings us to one mind. It brings peace. We love one another. Why? Because charity covered the multitude of sins. You know, you're, you may not agree with everything somebody in your family is doing, but you can love them. You may not like everything somebody in the church is doing, but you can love them. You may not agree on every jot and tittle of theology, but you can love them. You might not like the idea that their, their level of separation is just a little bit to the left of yours or just a little bit to the right of yours. And you, you understand a, a liberal is anybody to my left and an ultra-conservative is anybody to my right. It was just, just relative terms. And that's how we often look at people and how we look at life. But if we love people, it'll bring peace. It'll bring peace. Here's the third question. Number one, number one, are you living peaceably? Are you striving to live peaceably with all men with as much as life? Boy, it doesn't always work, does it? God knew that. That's why he says as much as lieth within you. He knows that sometimes it's just, sometimes things just don't work. Evil men shall wax worse and worse. There's times where sometimes we have to separate and we understand that. But are you living peaceably as much as lieth within you? Number two, are you still loving people? That's something that should never change in your life. Number three, are you still looking passionately? So what do you mean by that? Hebrews chapter 12. Look there with me tonight. 
Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says this, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now listen, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are you still looking passionately to Christ? Has your focus changed? Let me ask you this. What has your attention today? He says we're to lay aside every weight. My wife sometimes gets upset with me. I know it's hard to believe. But the thing, she sits there, every time I bring up her, she just sits there and goes, oh boy, this morning she yelled at me. Did you hear her? She says, honey, you better not. The one thing that, that bugs her the most is if I'm in a hurry and I jump in the car and I don't clean this, all the snow off the windshield. Any of you men do that? And I, I don't do it anymore. Not, not when there's kids in the car. I make sure I go out and clean off all the cars. And I do Beth's car too because she's like me. She won't clean it off if I don't. And, uh, but that bugs her, doesn't it? A couple times I just cleaned off my side just to bug her. You know, just <laughs> but it's terrible when you're, you're six foot tall and you're trying to look through the little hole where the, the frost is starting to, and you're doing this. And then you use the washer and it, the wipers don't work right because they're frozen so it just gets worse. That's, that's what men do, isn't it? How many of you men have done that? Just jumped in the car and went. Yeah, lots well, of And uh, it's so much easier to see when you clear that vision up. You ever have dirty, dirty glasses? Oh, man. I first got glasses. I couldn't even handle a speck on them. I remember when I was 12 years old, I was constantly cleaning those things. But now they could be covered with paint. I'd not even notice. You get so used to it. The Bible says we're to move all the weights and the things that, anything that doesn't allow you to see Jesus clearly. Because he says we're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. What has your attention? What has your focus? Are you looking passionately? Notice some things he wants us to look at in these two verses, and we'll be done. Just four things quickly. Number one, we are to remember the conflict. Remember the conflict. We are to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There is a conflict for your attention. There is all kinds of things out there that would have your attention if you'd let them. But he says, lay aside those weights. Get rid of those things. He's likening it to running a race here. He says, you've got you to get those things out of your life that you can clearly see Jesus Christ. Remember, there's a conflict. Number two, you need to remember your calling. What is our calling? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God has a plan for your life. That's what you're all about. Running with patience the race that he has put in your life. Number three, remember who is in control. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I have a friend that's a missionary, Brother Jim Arnold. You've, many of you have met him. He's preached here about a decade ago. He preached here. And uh, one of my dearest friends in life, Brother Jim Arnold, he has four daughters. 
And um, I, I remember when those little, some of those girls were little, Jackie and Julie, they, they came to our house and they were just little. Now they're all grown up. They got kids of their own and kids are 12, 13 years old. And you would think that now that Jim is 60 years old and his girls are 40 years old and 35 years old that they wouldn't need dad anymore. He's hardly with us for 15 minutes and one of them girls are calling dad. Dad, dad, can you help me with this? Dad, what would you do? And they're just constantly seeking his advice. I think that's what the scripture is saying here. That's how we look to our heavenly father. We're constantly coming to him. Lord, what should I do now? Here's the thing. You have an open line. You can come boldly to the throne of grace anytime you need to. A constant form of communication. And here's why those girls call their dad. Because to those four Arnold girls, dad is Superman. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He is their absolute hero. And they believe when we call dad, he'll give us an answer. It'll be a good answer. It'll have some wisdom. It'll have some prayer in it. Dad knows what to do, so I'm going to call him. Here's the thing. I have a God who sits on the throne, and he is in control of everything. And he'll never give me the wrong answer. I need to remember who's in control. Are you still looking passionately unto Jesus? Notice one more thing. We're to remember the conflict. Remember your calling. Remember who is in control. Number four, remember the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Hey, nobody else did that for you. The suffering, the shame, the anguish to pay the price for your sins. L let me say this. If a moment ago, and it says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, if that makes it a good idea to look to Jesus, this next phrase, who endured the suffering of the cross, endured the cross, despising it, that makes it obligatory, if you ask me. That makes it so that he died for me. The least I can do is trust in him, follow him, obey him. Well, we get changed so easily by the world. We get so caught up in the current events. I watch the news too. I'm grieved by the wars that are taking place in our world. I'm grieved by persecuted peoples. But here was what I know. There's a God on his throne. And I get to bow my head and talk to him anytime I want. Are you st still living peaceably? Are you still loving people? And are you still looking passionately all to Christ? You know, when our focus is Christ, we'll remember that the real battle in this life is a spiritual one. He's in control, and we can serve one another with love, kindness, Here's the thing. <laughs> Let me just throw this in. One day, persecution's coming. I have no doubt in my mind. 
They, they've already, I mean, they've talked about taxing churches, which to me is not persecution. They, I mean, they've talked about, but they're, what I'm, it just shows the spirit of the government turning against churches. Persecution's coming. The people in this room might be the only ones you got to cling to. Are you living peaceably one with another? Are you loving one another? Are we encouraging one another to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? That's where our focus has to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Encourage our hearts tonight. Help us, Lord, to take this simple message tonight and apply it in our lives, Lord, that we might follow the the principles of Scripture, keep Christ's focus in our life, keep them first and foremost. Lord, I pray that the world will not change us. We are going to have more times like this. We're going to have times of trial and times of struggle. And even one day we'll have some persecution, no doubt. But Lord, I pray that the world will not change us. As we look to our left and our right in this room tonight, we will just determine we're still going to love one another. We're going to live peaceably with one another. Not just these folks, but those in our community. Live peaceably with all men, the Bible says. But Lord, we're never going to take our eyes off Christ. We're going to always look passionately towards the throne. So help us minister to our hearts tonight, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If God has spoke to your heart, the altar is open. You may use it. Let me encourage you right now. Why don't we... Why don't you pray for somebody in this room tonight? Maybe there's somebody that's not here you could pray for, but... Maybe you were just, somebody caught your eye. Why don't you pray for them tonight?